Hello, and welcome to the Murder House Radio Show. I'm your host, X. On this show, we will be covering serial killers, killers, mass shooters, disappearances, true crime, and the most deplorable things and people in history. All that good, dark stuff. The Murder House Radio Show will be a radio show slash podcast. I will be uploading videos every Friday at 4 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. Make sure you hit the like and subscribe button. Once you hit the subscribe button, hit the bell notification and select all to get all notifications if you are viewing on YouTube. And hit follow if you are listening on a podcasting platform. So sit down, get comfortable, grab some coffee or whatever your preferred beverage is. Turn off the lights and enjoy the show. Hey guys, how's your Friday going? I hope it's going good. When I'm recording this, my day's going pretty good as well. Uh, hope you're having a good month so far, second week of the month. So uh, halfway through, almost. Yeah, halfway through. But uh, yeah, let me know how it's all going down in the comments below. I like hearing about that stuff. But uh, yeah, if you wish to ask for some advice to be covered at the end of the podcast slash broadcast... The link will be in the description below for the email, the podcast email. But also the links for the sources will be in the description below. So without any further ado, let's get into today's episode. Today's episode will be on Ian Huntley, this sack of shit. He is um a pedophile and child killer from England, from the UK. He's uh, 47 years old, and he was born January 31st, 1974. And um, he was born in Grisby, Lincolnshire, England. I, I don't know if those are two separate places or the same place. I'm not sure. Um, He also goes by the name Ian Nixon, and he went to a uh, healing comprehensive school, whatever that is. Um... He worked as a school caretaker, so like um maybe a janitor or like uh someone who helped students and this was at a college by the way. Um he is now currently serving two life sentences for double murder and his victims were Holly Marie, ten years old, and Jessica Amy Chapman, ten years old. They were both best friends and they died August fourteenth, twenty. 2002 so um he tried to dispose of their bodies by burning them which is uh yeah fucked up but um he um they slipped out of the house when they were having a barbecue the two girls slipped out while they were having a barbecue to get candy so no one knew where they went and um, on their way back I'm guessing they passed by Ian's house and he invited them in and said his girlfriend, who the girls knew through their school, was uh, home. And the girlfriend's name is Maxine Carr. But she was away visiting family. Um, They suppose he killed them pretty quickly to them entering the house. And uh, it was supposedly by asphyxiation. Um, 
The parents didn't notice the girls missing until the guests were leaving for uh, the evening or whatnot. And then the pol they called the police after searching a bit. And uh, this launched a 13-day search. And um, Huntley was involved in the search and whatnot. And um, he uh, even told the news reporters and the police he saw the girls before they disappeared. And um, he admitted to the news crews on camera he was the last person to talk to them. And um, so this caused them to search Huntley's home and workspace and they found nothing. And this was originally. Um, so this eliminated him as a suspect originally. But then he um, not really incriminated himself but was acting hella sus. Because, um, he made himself a suspect again by taking a very keen interest in the case and asking police a bunch of weird questions about DNA and how long it took to analyze it. And, um, yeah, he was close to the investigation, so, uh, he was probably trying to, uh, throw the police off and counter-move them or whatnot. But this caused a second search of his uh, property and stuff. And um, they found evidence in his storage locker at the school where he worked. And the evidence was burnt remains of the girls' soccer jerseys they were wearing that day. Um, and then after that, Huntley and Carr, his girlfriend, were arrested on suspicion of the murder of the two. And then, um, shortly after they were arrested, the girls' bodies were found near an airbase close to where Huntley lived. And, um, yeah. That's, uh, basically a rundown of, uh, this case. A quick rundown. So, a bit of background on Huntley. He was bullied as a kid, and he was violent towards his bullies, so I guess he fought back. And they kicked him out of school, and he had to switch schools for this. But then I think he dropped out of school, and he got married at 20 years old, and it only lasted two months after his wife left him for his younger brother. Which is a kick in the fucking knackers, if you ask me. <laughs> but, um... What, after this uh, divorce, he went after young girls, and um, he's a compulsive liar, and he'd make all these fantasies and stuff, and he uh, lied about being in the Royal Air Force, which is Stolen Valor, another tick to the piece of shit list. He lied about being a bodybuilder and his dad dying. Like, why would you lie about your dad dying, bro? But, um, it says here his first victim was an 11-year-old girl. That he attacked, like sexually attacked her for over three hours in an orchard. And the investigation was dropped due to lack of evidence, which is fucked up. Should have been put a bullet in his head right fucking there, man. Fuck around. But, um, yeah. He was also unknown as being very controlling and such. And then shortly after this... In 1998, an investigation for a, um, indecent assault and rape on an 18-year-old girl was uh, launched on him. And she said he followed her home 
and raped her under an overpass, but it didn't make it to court for whatever fucking reason. And then, um, shortly after, or around the same time as that incident happened that I just mentioned, he met his uh, girlfriend or wife or whatever the fuck she is, Maxine Carr, at a club. And they moved to Cranbridge, where the double murders took place in 2001. So that's a quick little uh, background on that. But uh, we will obviously delve deeper in. But now that you guys have a little clue. So uh, Ian Kevin Huntley was born where I said he was on the date I said he was. And he was the first of two sons born to Kevin Huntley and his wife, so the mother, Linda, word, so I don't, word, uh, the family lived, wow, were a working class at the time of the birth of their first child, and, uh, lived with, uh, Linda's parents in Grisby, and then following the birth of the second child, Wayne, in August 1975, the family moved into a rented property in Immingham, where uh, Huntley attended school, word. So, uh, Huntley was a timid child, so, like, shy, and something of a mother's boy, a mama's boy, word, fair enough. In the, in his early years, he, uh, frequently threw, uh, hissy fits in order to obtain his mother's attention. What a cuck. <laughs> um, although childhood friends would later remark how... Markably afraid he was of his stern father, okay? Um, and, uh, at both primary and secondary school, Huntley was a average student, and he was regarded as a loner and an oddball and an attention seeker by his peers, oof, and became a frequent target of bullies, like I said earlier. And then the bullying Huntley endured escalated when he entered Healing Comprehensive School when he was 11, resulting in his academic performance uh, faltering. And this resulted in Huntley's parents enrolling him in uh, Immingham Comprehensive at 13. So I don't know what that is. I'm guessing that's a special school or something. But um, he was again targeted by bullies physically and verbally at the school. And then, um, although he did form a few, uh, friendships or whatever for a shared interest in computer games, fair enough. So he did have friends. Huntley, um, enjoyed football, so soccer for, uh, us fucking North American peoples. <laughs> um, and was an avid supporter of Manchester's United, whatever that is. But, um, alright. So, um, his father urged Huntley to join the Air Training Corps, and he did when he was 13, and the activities with his, this youth organization fueled an interest in Huntley, um, for airplanes, and just recently, I learned that uh, airplanes is actually spelled A-E-R-O-P-L-A-N-E-S. And I always thought it was like air, the air you breathe in, A-I-R, and planes, which is interesting. But uh, yeah, but um, he uh, seriously considered a future career with the Royal Air Force. And Huntley also developed a hobby for plane spotting. 
and uh, by this hobby, he became familiar with the environs of the Royal Air Force, Lake Heath, okay? So, um, he had few friends, but despite that, Huntley did form several relationships with women, so he had girlfriends, um, while attending Immingham Comprehensive. Each of these girls was at, at least one year younger than himself, so he's okay. So he was always into uh, the younger women, but at this point, I'm guessing it was legal because he was underage, but, um... Nevertheless, still a little weird. Um, although none of these relationships lasted longer than a few weeks. It'd be like that sometimes. <laughs> um, in 1990, Huntley finished his schooling, obtained five uh, GCSE passes. What's that? Um, the General Certificate of Secondary Education. Okay. Um... He chose not to enroll in college or university and instead committed himself to finding work. And uh, between 1990 and 1996, Huntley worked in uh, various jobs or whatnot. And then um, he seldomly held any job for uh, a long time. Word. He also viewed himself as something of a ladies' man, okay? But you always go after young women who are impressionable, which is uh, doesn't make you a lady man. That makes you a fucking creep. And uh, was uh, scrupulously with regards to his personal appearance and personal hygiene. So I think that either means like he held that to a very high standard or he didn't have any at all. <laughs> but um yes, I wonder what makes somebody attracted to fucking kids. Like what makes someone a fucking pedophile? Like what the fuck goes wrong in your brain for that shit? And I believe the only cure for that is a bullet in the fucking head. That's the only cure for that bullshit. Can't change my mind on that one. <laughs> So, I mentioned he got married earlier, and this was to 18-year-old Claire Evans, and uh, he met her when he was working at a local Heinz factory. Um, after two months of marriage, they uh, divorced for his younger brother or whatnot, which is whack. That's uh, wild. Um... The couple married a grisby, blah 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 blah. Throughout the marriage, last days scarcely one week due to oh fuck. Um, he had a violent temper. Violet, violet temper. What? Violet. It's like a violent temper. So maybe he's a violent dude too. But um, on one occasion, he is known to have beaten his wife so extensively she suffered a miscarriage. Oh Jesus! So he's a fucking abusive prick. But um, shortly after their uh, separation, Huntley's wife formed a relationship and later married his younger brother, Wayne. Yeah, so uh, another tick to the piece of shit fucking thing. But uh, yeah, so there is that. Um, and then he has previous crimes other than the ones I have already mentioned. In March 1996, Huntley was charged with burglary. In this occasion, he and an accomplice allegedly 
broke into the house of a neighbor in Grisby and stole numerous electronic devices, jewelry, and cash. And then this case, uh, this case reached court. The prosecution offered no evidence, resulting in a judge ordering the offense to lie on file. So it never uh, got They never got sentenced or anything like that. But um, between uh, August nineteen ninety five and May nineteen ninety six, Huntley uh, had numerous sexual relationships with teenage girls, which is fucked up. So he's born in, what, 74? 74, 74, 84. So he's about 20 when that was uh, going on. That's still messed up, though. All of whom are under the legal age... Oh, because I think the age of consent in Britain is 16, if I am not mistaken. So they were all 15 and under. That's fucked. Um, three of the girls were age 15 and one thirteen. Oh, that's not good. There's fucking a few more ticks to the piece of shit list. Fucking put them in the ground. Um, one of these girls would become pregnant. Ooh, and gave birth to a baby girl in 1998. Okay, so he has a kid. <sighs> um, they were reported to police on three occasions and Huntley was not charged for any of these offenses as each of the girls denied having engaged in sex with Huntley. Well shit, that's hard for the girl with a kid to refuse. Fuck. <sighs> but okay then. Um each refused to file criminal complaints and or rebuffed offers of help from social services. Well shit. I'm pretty sure their parents could have uh fucking you know, filed charges and shit. Because that's the way it works in Canada, I'm fairly certain. But, um, yeah, piece of shit. Um, despite not being charged with any of these offenses, rumors of Huntley's sexual interests in underage girls soon became community gossip. Oh, so he's a known pedo. Um, and he was regularly insulted by neighbors and workers and stuff, like his work colleagues could fucking drive him to commit suicide. That's the only solution, other than you putting a bullet in the back of his head or making it slower. Um, as a result, Huntley began rebuffing any offers to socialize with work colleagues for fear of being attacked while alone in their company fucking right you better be scared fuck bud yeah these are uh my least favorite cases to cover cover because uh makes me sick to the stomach and uh filled with rage whenever uh kids are involved and pedophiles and all that shit sick to my stomach bro is fucked up so in April 1998, Huntley was arrested on suspicion of raping an 18-year-old girl. Um, he admitted to engaging in sex with her, but claimed it was consensual. He was not formally charged with this offense. And then a month later, he did what I mentioned earlier, uh, beat and raped a girl or whatever. And those charges uh, never got to court, I'm pretty sure. That is uh, messed up.
Um, he had threatened to kill her before assaulting her. Um, Huntley admitted engaging in sex with the woman, although insisted that it was consensual. The criminal charges were dropped a week later after the Crown Prosecution, the Crown Prosecution Service, having examined CCTV footage from the nightclub and in voyeurs and findings of evidence to the two soliciting within the nightclub determined insufficient evidence existed to the secure to secure a conviction for this offense well shit um so as a result of this criminal complaint further rumors regarding huntley's sexual violence also became community gossip resulting in Huntley being fired from his job and forcing him to move into his mother's home. Good, he got fired. Fuck that guy. Um, Even more so, he was forbidden from initiating contact with his baby daughter or the mother. Good, fuck. Fuck that guy, bro. Pedophiles and rapists, if still left alive for whatever fucking reason, deserve to have the most miserable and brutal life you can imagine, in my opinion. But um, in July 1998, police were notified Huntley had also sexually assaulted an 11-year-old girl in September 1997, having also threatened to kill the child if she informed her mother. He was never charged with this offense, although he subsequently confessed to this attack in 2007. In April 2007. Well, shit. Um... So, the final criminal uh, allegation against him prior to uh, the double homicide dates from uh, July 1999. In this case, a woman was raped and Huntley, by this stage, suspected by police as being a serial sex offender, was interviewed. Huntley supplied a DNA sample to assist in their inquiries, with Carr also providing an alibi to support his claims of innocence, so that's his wife or girlfriend at the time, word. Um, the victim of the assault subsequently stated her belief that Huntley had not been the perpetrator of her assault. Okay, so, um, this woman was like, yeah, I don't think it's him. But, uh, this would prove to be the sole instance in which, a uh, suspect or proven victim of Huntley had not identified or named him as being the attacker. Well, shit. And then in 2001, or by 2001, Huntley proven and alleged criminal activities have been reported to Humberside Police on 10 separate occasions and to social services on 5 occasions. Well, shite. There is that. God damn. So, um, Huntley and Maxine were, uh, more particularly acquainted in February 1999, and she was 22 at the time. Word. Um, so, uh, they first met at a nightclub, like I'm pretty sure I said, and, um, on the occasion, Carr had been drinking with a former boyfriend named Paul Selby, when Huntley, a casual acquaintance of Selsby, so they were kind of friends or whatnot, I guess, approached the two and immediately initiated conversation. Ooh, a playa? But fucking piece of shit, playa. Um, according to Carr, she was instantly attracted to Huntley's self-certain, so, um, his, uh, 
confidence, I guess you could say, and a pleasant persona, and agreed to begin dating him that same evening. Holy fuck, things move fast with this fucking couple. Jesus Christ. Within four weeks of their partnership, she had moved into um, his uh, house. Well, shit. <laughs> um, and the couple informed relatives of their uh, fucking um, eagerness to start a family, okay? And then shortly after, the couple moved to a ground floor flat in... Um, Fucking Suntrope. S-C-U-N-T. Suntcuntthrope. <laughs> S-C-U-N-T-H-O-R-P-E. Um, and this is where Huntley formally proposed to Carr in, in June 1990. Holy fuck. Okay, so, um... They met February 1990, February, March, April, May, June, and four months later, they were fucking married. Holy shit. <laughs> well, fuck sakes. Now, I want to know if she knows about his uh, history or allegations or whatever, because if she does... There are multiple upon multiple allegations against this piece of shit. So that makes her almost just as big as a piece of shit. Because she's willingly knowing all this shit. And that he's a sexual predator and a pedophile. And is still like, ah, oh, fuck it. He's my pedophile. <laughs> but, um, yeah, there is that. I just want to know if she knew. But, um, although publicity... Publicly, publicly uh, bestowed couple, Huntley was notably possessive of Carr and is known to have both emotionally and or physically abused her on numerous occasions, often accumulating in Carr returning to live with her mother before Huntley persuaded her to return to live with him. So a classic fucking domestic abuse situation. And, um, also, both Huntley and Carr are known to have conducted affairs throughout the course of their marriage. And, um, noting how Carr often became flirtatious whenever she had consumed alcohol. Oof. Huntley actively sought to minimize any opportunity for her to drink or otherwise socialize outside his presence for fear of her cheating on him with other men. That's fucked up. Minus the abuse, um, if he knows she gets flirtatious, him wanting to keep her away from men unless he is around makes sense, knowing that she's flirtatious when she drinks, because, um, yeah, but other than that, you know, still a piece of shit, piece of shit, I'm not fucking arguing for the guy, but that's the only thing out of this whole but fuck of a situation that makes any remote sense. But uh, there is that. So at the time of their marriage, Huntley temporarily worked for an insurance company in market rents. He soon found alternate employment at a finance company in 
Binbrook while Carr maintained her employment packing fish at a local fish processing factory. Um, the couple would relocate to East Anglia in early 2001. Shortly thereafter, Huntley secured employment as a bartender. Um, so by 2001, Huntley had, uh, got back into contact with his father, who worked as a school caretaker in the village of Littleport, near Ellie. E-L-Y, Ellie. Um, he worked regularly, uh, he would regularly travel to Cranbrookshire from East Angola on his days free from work to help his father, and soon developed aspirations to become a school caretaker himself. Okay. And um, by his father, Huntley learned of a school caretaker vacancy in a nearby Solemn village. And um, the crimes, the double murders, are called the uh, Solemn Murders. But um, so nearby uh, Solemn Village College in summer of 2001. So that's where he went to school to take the course to become a school caretaker or whatnot. But uh, he applied for... Uh, so he applied for and secured employment as a senior caretaker at this secondary school in September 2001. And, um, he supervised the work of four other, uh, employees. That's basically what he did, word. Hold up, what is a school caretaker? I'm guessing it's a janitor. School caretaker... School caretaker. Um, I should probably say what is. What is a school caretaker? Uh, caretakers are responsible to ensure that school buildings and equipment are kept in good condition. Required education, knowledge, qualifications, and experience. Minimum of grade 12 diploma for a recognized educational institution as approval by employer or general educational department GED is required. So like a janitor word or like a step above a janitor maybe. Makes sense. Makes sense. But um, alright. And then it says here all Maxine's uh, stuff and information and stuff. But uh, I'm not sure about her level in, of involvement in all this shit because I did mention earlier that she was away visiting family at the time of the murders. So I'm not going to get into her because uh, she didn't really seem all that involved. I'm not sure. But if you want to read up on her, link's in the description. But there is that. So in... Around... 2001 September, they moved to Soham for the caretaker position and all that stuff. And, um, yeah, they both worked in schools and whatnot. But, uh, yeah. And then I said, as I said, um, uh, Carr worked as, um, hold on. Something, blah, 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 blah. Huntley, secondary part-time employment. What the fuck did Carr... Oh, Carr applied for a vacant full-time teaching assistant position at St. Andrew's Primary School. And that's how she knew the uh, two victims. But uh, she received notification on the 23rd of July that her application was unsuccessful. Okay. One of the children to express dismay at this decision was 
Wells, who have been broken down into tears upon learning that Carr's application for the teaching position had been unsuccessful, had presented with her um, had presented her with a hand-drawn card depicting a smiley face in which she stated, I'll miss you a lot. Thank you, see, see ya, miss ya, love ya, love Holly. So, it seems that, um, Maxine Carr, uh, was a good, uh, at her job or whatnot, and the kids actually liked her, and she was, um, kind of a decent person. Again, assuming she didn't know about her husband's fuckery. But, uh, yeah. So there is that. There is that. But I'm not sure, because there's not much about her, because this isn't really about her. And then, um, by the summer of 2002, the physical relationship between Huntley and Carr had began to deteriorate. By Huntley's own later admission, he had became sexually frustrated and he had unsuccessful attempts to persuade a married colleague, a call. A married colleague to date him on the weekend car visited her mother in Grisby. Oh, so maybe the weekend he uh killed those two girls. Okay. So at nine at uh, nine fifty three AM on the fourth of August, oh Huntley attempted to phone Carr, although she did not answer her phone. Carr only replied to his missed call at six 23 p.m. This four-minute phone call escalated into a heated argument, accumulating in Huntley angrily terminating the call after she informed him she was going to stay with her mother in uh, Grisby that evening. And four minutes later, Carr sent Huntley a text message which read, Don't make me feel bad because I'm with my family. Huntley did not reply to this message. And then, um, shortly after this, I'm guessing that's when he, uh, killed the two, uh, girls or whatever. The two kids. I'm not sure if he only killed them or if he, uh, did more, like, sexual shit to them before and or after he, uh, killed them. But I'm pretty sure he probably did more than just kill them. But, uh, yeah, given his proclivity, well, alleged proclivity to, um, sexual acts of violence and shit. So it could have been, like, a moment thing. He saw him walking. He's like, hey, come here. And then he, uh, proceeded to do this immense evil upon them. And, uh, yeah, that's what I'm guessing happened. Because, um... It doesn't really say all that much of what happened during that time. Because I don't know if he uh, confessed to it or not. But uh, I guess we'll uh, find out here shortly. Alright, before we get into the investigation, I just want to say real quick. Um, it's still on the topic of this case. Um, immediately following Huntley's conviction, his previous criminal history was disclosed to the public. These disclosures revelated that despite his extensive record of sexual offenses against underage girls and young women and evident criminal recidivism, not only had police failed to pursue these previous claim 
criminal complaints and allegations, but Huntley had secured a position of employment facilitating his access to children. Yeah, that's fucked up right there. But um, upon learning of this public um, disclosure or whatnot, Home Secretary David Blunkett announced a public inquiry into the intelligence-based recording, keeping, and vetting system which had allowed Huntley to obtain employment as a school caretaker, despite these previous claims, criminal complaints, which had been reported to both police and social services. So, uh, chaired by Sir Michael Bichard, B-I-C-H-A-R-D, Bichard, the Bishard Inquiry opened on the 23rd of January 2004. The results of this inquiry were published in June that year. Okay. Uh, the stated proposed of Bichard Inquiry was urgent, urgently to inquire into child protection procedures in Humberside Police and Cranbridge Constabulary. In the light of the recent trial and conviction of Ian Huntley for the murder of Jessica Chapman and Holly Well, in particular to assess the effectiveness of the relevant intelligence-based recording keeping and vetting practice in those forces since 1995 and inform information sharing with other agencies, and to report to the Home Secretary on matters of local and international relevance and make recommendations as appropriate. So I'm best I'm guessing that's just him saying like um Yeah, we're gonna fucking make this better. That's a big fuck up and we don't know how he slipped through the cracks like that, basically is what I think that was saying. But there is that. But we will get into the investigation right now. But yes, as I said, Huntley participated in the investigation and search for the bodies. Same with uh, 400 officers who were assigned full-time to search for the girls and hundreds of uh, local volunteers. And uh, later, United States Air Force personnel stationed at a nearby air base, which is where they found the bodies, I am pretty sure. And um, to assist in their appeals for information, the Cram, the Cranbridgeshire Police released a photograph of Nicole Wells that Nicole Wells had uh, taken of the children less than two hours before their disappearance, depicting both girls wearing distinctive Manchester United replica football shirts and a physical description of each girl also released to the media, describing both girls as being white, approximately 4 foot 6 inches, which is 137 centimeters in height, and slim. And a Chapman was described as being tanned, with uh, shoulder-length brown hair. Wells was described as being fair, with blonde hair. And the parents of both girls were adamant their daughters had been wary of talking with strangers. So, um, yeah. And having warned them not to trust individuals they did not know from early childhood. 
So, um, okay, so there is that. So, they thought the girls were kidnapped and the police questioned every registered sex offender in Cranbridge Shire in Lincolnshire. Over 260 registered sex offenders across the UK, including 15 high-risk pedophiles. Why the fuck would they be on the streets and not in the fucking ground is beyond me. Were also questioned, although all were eliminated from the inquiry. Police also investigated the possibility that the girls had arranged to meet with an individual, either, either or both had contact via internet chat rooms, although this possibility was soon discounted. So uh, there is that. So on the 8th of August, CCTV footage of the girls recorded minutes before their disappearance was released to the public. This footage, this footage depicted the children arriving at the local sports center at 6.28pm. So a televised reconstruction of the children's last known movements was broadcasted nationally on the 10th of August. And both sets of parents granted an interview with the press and the TV and stuff, which was broadcasted on August 12th. So um, other family members and friends of both girls also appealed, um, appealed via the media for the safe return of the children. These appeals for information regarding the whereabouts of Wells and Chapman would see more than 2,000 phone calls and tips received from the public, with all information obtained entering into the investigation Holmes 2 database. Okay. And then a candle vigil was held by the community on the 7th of August. Word. Um... I'm pretty sure the statistic is if a child is missing for uh, more than um, two days, they're most likely dead because they're a child and uh, whatnot. So a bunch of people uh, thought they saw the girls and stuff and whatnot. And uh, yeah, there is that. So it says here, on the 12th of August, police launched a media appeal to trace the driver of a four-door dark green saloon car seen struggling with two young girls by a taxi driver who stated he had observed this individual thrashing his arms as he struggled to either placate or contain the two uh, children inside his vehicle as he had driven Upon the A fourteen two south of Sohem, just outside Newmarket. So uh, the initial speculation by this individual had been that the, the these uh, mounds of earth may be important uh, burial locations for two missing girls. So they're already suspecting they're dead as of August twelfth ish. I'm guessing. Um, however, an overnight examination of this location revealed that the two mounds of earth to simply be badger sets, so like, um, oh, oh, word, so, um, animal holes or whatnot. But, uh, yeah, there's a bunch of media interviews and whatnot, because this is the age of media, so they use TV a lot to their advantage, which is good. But, um, suspect. 
<laughs> police suspicions on the 16th of August, 12 days after the children disappeared. Huntley and Carr were first questioned by police. Both were questioned for approximately seven hours. Each uh, provided formal witness statements to investigators before being placed in a safe house in the village of Histon. By this date, police had received information from several Crispy residents who had recognized Huntley in the television interviews. He had been granted to the media, okay, so he had granted to the media word. These individuals recall that he had been accused of rape several years earlier, and others recalled that, contrary to her own televised claims, Carr had in fact been uh, socializing in Grisby Town Center on the night that the girls had disappeared, and not at home in Samoa, Soham, as she had uh, indicated in the interview she had granted to the media. Um, okay. The same evening, police conducted a thorough search of both five, search of both five college clothes and grounds of Soham Village College, where Huntley worked as a senior caretaker. Okay. As the couple remained under police watch at separate locations outside Soham, although each room of Huntley's home was evidently had evidently been uh, recently and meticulously cleaned with what was later described as being a lemony cleaning fluid, okay. The searchers located numerous items declared as being of major importance to the ongoing investigation. Oh shit. So, at the time of the findings, the evidence was not made uh, public, and the items recovered. However, the items recovered from the school grounds included items of clothing the girls had been wearing when last seen, including their uh, charred and cut jerseys, like I mentioned earlier, which were recovered from a bin within a hangar. A hangar? What's a hangar? Oh, a hangar word. A hangar, like a plane hangar. At uh, Huntley's place of work. And fibers recovered upon these items of clothing provided to be uh, purses, matches, precise matches to samples retrieved from Huntley's body and clothing. Oof. As uh, well as five college clothes. Furthermore, his fingerprints were recovered from the bin. Whale shite. That's damning, if you don't mind me. If you don't, uh, that's damning. <laughs> um, Huntley's car was also subjected to a detailed forensic examination on the 16th of August. The forensic examination of the vehicle revealed that the car had also been recently extensively cleaned, although traces of, uh, of a distinctive material of brick dust, or oh, a distinctive mi mixture of brick dust, word, chalk, and concrete of previously the same type used to pave the road leading to where the girls' bodies would be discovered were found around the wheels, the wheel arches, and upon and upon and around the pedals. Okay. Oh, fuck. So, um, where the girls were buried, 
the material on the ground or whatever, like the dirt or the concrete and all that shit, was found on and in the car he owned. Word. Um, and also, a cover from the rear seat was missing, and the lining of the boot, so like the trunk, had been recently removed and replaced with an ill-fitting section of household carpet. So probably from blood, I'm guessing. Oh, shit. So there is that. There's the little investigation. Well, not little, but there's the uh, investigation and stuff. I skimmed over a bunch, and you know, do your thing. The links to the sources are in the description if you would like to read further. So upon the discovery of the children's clothes at the Soham, the Soham Village College, police decided to arrest Huntley and Carr, and both were arrested on the suspicion of abduction and murder at 4.30 a.m. on the 17th of August. And then, um, although investigators had previously, on the 7th of August, publicly stated they strongly believed the children had been abducted, they publicly announced their strong suspicion both girls had been murdered on this date. During initial questioning, Huntley refused to answer questions and, uh, appeared evasive or whatnot. Oh, I'm not evasive. Evase, uh, confused and emotionally detached. Occasionally drooling throughout police attempts to question him in an effort to, um, feign sympathy, sim oh, to fake symptoms of a mental illness, okay, or portray symptoms of mental illness, word. So, um, this tactic left police with no option but to initially refer Huntley to a mental hospital to undergo an extensive psychological evaluation, and then, um, on the other hand, Carr quickly confessed to detectives she had lied about her whereabouts and her parents uh, at, at her parents' um, action on the 4th of August. Okay, as shortly before she had returned to Soham from uh, Grisby three days later, Huntley had claimed to her in a phone call to have seen the two girls shortly before their disappearance, admitting, The thing is, Maxine, they came in our house. According to Carr, Huntley then informed her the children had entered their home in order that Wells could stash her uh, nosebleeds, so a stop her nosebleed. He claimed he then claimed to her Chapman had sat upon their bed as he held Wells control the bleeding from her nose, like trying to help her control the bleeding from her nose before both girls had left their home. So he admitted that the girls were in the home, okay? Well, she admitted to them that he admitted to her that both girls were in the home under the guise of uh, the one girl having a nosebleed, okay? And I'm re referencing one of the 1998 rapes he had committed. He had committed, but had earlier claimed to her to have been falsely accused of in the phone call, Okay. Huntley then began voicing concerns as to again being falsely accused of involvement on this occasion, okay? Also claiming his previous arrest had caused him to suffer a nervous breakdown. She had therefore later agreed to concoct a false story 
with her partner to support his vision of events. His version of events, okay. So, uh, out of that, I don't think she knew he had killed them right away, but she helped lie for him. Makes her kind of a piece of shit, but uh, there's that. But um, after being informed of the discovery of the children's bodies and uh, and the ample evidence attesting to Huntley's guilt, including his fingerprints being recovered from the bin in which the children's clothes had been found, Carr burst into tears shouting, No, he can't have been. It can't have been. He hasn't done it. Despite these revelations, Carr initially remained emotionally attached to Huntley and professed her belief in his innocence to both the police and her family. So I'm guessing she didn't know, but she helped cover it up like I mentioned, and then when she found out, she was in fucking total shock and dismay or whatnot. But, um, there is that. Um, they discovered the bodies and okay word. Fair enough. So there is all that. What do you guys think? Well, not about Huntley, because he's a fucking piece of shit. But what do you guys think about the wife? Well, leave it down in the comments. With the wife, I'm leaning towards more of she's a piece of shit. But, like, yeah. Like, she's definitely more of a piece of shit, but, like, not as much of her husband. Because I don't think she knew he murdered the two girls. But there again, I don't know if she knew about his previous, um fucking run-ins of sexual encounters that are forceful and with underage uh, girls. So, yeah, I'm not fucking sure. But, uh, yeah, so there's all that. But what do you guys think? So, the bodies were found at about 12.30 p.m. on the 17th of August by 48-year-old gamekeeper Keith Prayer. And the bodies were discovered um, laying side by side in a five foot deep uh, irrigation ditch close to the um, close to a pheas pheasant pen near the perimeter fence of Royal Air Force Lake Heath. Um, so Air Force Base Lake Heath in uh, Suffolk. Okay. A location more than 10 miles east of Soham, a prayer had noticed what he later described as an unusual, unpleasant smell in the vicinity several days earlier. When returning to the area with two friends on the 17th of August, he had decided to investigate the cause of this smell. And on um, walking through the overgrowing uh, vegetation, approximately 600 yards from the uh, particularly tarmac road, so a partially tarmac road, Prayer and one of his companions, Andre Lawrence, discovered the children's bodies. Immediately upon viewing the corpses, Lawrence turned in the direction of his girlfriend, Helene Sawyer, and shouted, Don't come any closer, Helene. Get back in the van. Lawrence immediately reported the discoveries to the police. Um... The girls were missing for 13 days when their bodies were found and both corpses were in an advanced stages of decomposition 
in an apparent effort to destroy forensic evidence, the murderer or murderers had attempted to burn both bodies, like I mentioned earlier. In addition, no clear footprints were found at the scene, and um, despite the preparations, efforts to destroy evidence and hinder identification, investigators rapidly deduced who the two victims most likely were, and that both had not died at the location of their discovery. Numerous hairs later determined to belong to Chapman were also discovered on a tree branch close to the location of the girls' bodies. The following day, Cranbridgeshire Deputy Chief Constable named Keith Hoder released a press statement to the media, so the Chief Constable dude released a statement, confirming that the discovery of the children's bodies, adding that both families had been informed of the developments and that although positive formal identification would take several days, investigators are certain as they possibly could be, so they're as certain as they possibly could be, the bodies were those of Wells and Chapman. Well, shit. That is fucking, uh, fucked up, bro. So, on the 21st of August, the bodies were both identified via DNA testing. And, um, nine days later, a public memorial service was held at Ellie Cathedral to remember and celebrate the lives of both the girls. And, uh, it was attended by 2,000 people, including the girls' classmates, teachers, and six family Leonce officers who had provided 24-hour service to both families. Well, shit. An online book of condolence attracted more than, um, 31,000 messages of grief and sympathy, and on the 24th of August, football clubs across Britain held a minute's silence prior to commencing scheduled football games. Well, shit. And then, um, by the 20th of August, investigators had established sufficient physical evidence for Hunt from Huntley's home vehicle in Soham Village College to formally charge him with two counts of murder. He was formally charged with these offenses while detained for observation at, uh, Rompton Secure Hospital, and all preliminary hearings against him were postponed until... Uh, until the conclusion of his mental health assessment, Carr was also charged with attempting to prevent the course of justice on this date. She was further charged with two counts of assisting an offender on the 17th of January, 2003. Okay. Well, he was being held at the hospital. Well held on remand at Holloway Prison, Carr regularly inquired as to... Huntley's welfare, and it is known to have pended several letters in which she professed her continued love for him. Oh, okay, so she's a piece of shit now that she knows he did it. Carr would only serve Carr would only sever all contact with Huntley in December two thousand two. Well at least she stopped talking to him, but she's still a piece of shit. <clears throat> so the mental health to determine Huntley's state of mind, he was detained, blah, 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 and then having be, he was declared mentally fit to stand trial. 
and Huntley was faced with a sentence of life imprisonment if a jury could be convinced of his guilt. He was subsequently transferred to a segregation unit at, at Wood Hill Prison in Milton Cairns in uh, Bucking, Buckinghamshire. Buckinghamshire. Okay. On the 9th of June 2003, he attempted suicide by consuming 29 antidepressants, which he had accumulated in his cell. Although staff initially feared Huntley might die as a result of this overdose, he was returned to his prison cell within 48 hours. Huntley was later transferred to London's Belmarsh Prison. Yes, I think I've heard about that prison. That's a fucking, um deadly place i think but um yeah and then the funeral service for wells and chapman were conducted on uh consecutive days like one after another in september 2002 services for both children were held at the saint andrew's parish church and both were officiated by Reverend Tim Elbin Jones. Both girls were laid to rest in private cemeteries, attended only by family and close friends, at the request of both families that their privacy be respected. The media refrained from reporting upon either service. Well, that's good on the media's part. But, um, yes, and then there's a whole bunch of shit about his trial. And then he was uh, sentenced to two life sentences. And if you want to uh, read all this stuff, you can um, check the sources in the description. But um, I'll read the convictions. The jury deliberated for four days before reaching their verdict against, against both defendants on the 17th of December 2003. <laughs> Fuck me, bro. My fucking... Not slurring, but almost slurring and stuttering, fuck. But on, on the 17th of December 2003, they returned a majority verdict of guilty on two counts of murder against Huntley. He was subsequently sentenced to life imprisonment, with the minimum term of imprisonment being imposed by the Lord Chief Justice at the later date. Huntley faced display... Huntley's face displayed no emotions as the verdict was announced, although the mothers of both Wells and Chapman burst into tears. Um, although Carr willingly pled guilty to charges of preventing the course of justice, she pled not guilty on the charge of assisting an offender. The jury accepted Carr's insistence that she had only lied to police and media in order to protect Huntley because prior to their arrest she had actually believed his claims of innocence okay as such she was found not guilty of assisting an offender Carr was sentenced to serve three and a half years in prison for preventing the course of justice okay um minutes after the convictions the parents of both girls granted an interview to the media discussing Huntley's mindset, uh, Leslie Chapman's opinion. I think he was a time bomb waiting to go off, and both our girls are in the wrong place at the wrong time. I hope the next time I see him, it will be like we saw our daughters, and it will be in a coffin. Word. Yeah, if he was a ticking time bomb, like, fuck. So, um, yeah, 
the motive, Huntley's motive for killing the children is unknown. But, uh, yeah, there is that. But it may, it was probably of a sexual nature, though, most likely. But it was still unknown. Because I don't think he confessed to anything. But, uh, yeah, there is all of that. Holy fuck, that was a dark one, eh? But, uh, yeah, so there is that case. I still think he should have been, uh, put down. Or, at the very least, spend his life in solitary confinement with no human contact in a soundproof cell. With every never leaving his cell, like, until he dies. But, uh, yeah, there is that. <sighs> yeah, some fucked up shit. But, um, yeah. So, there are no emails asking for advice. So, you know, maybe next week we will see. We shall see. So, that is... Ian Huntley, thank you for listening to this episode on the Murder House Radio Show. I hope you have a good rest of your Friday or whenever you're listening to this. Check out the social medias and the sources in the description below. Make sure you hit the like and subscribe button. Once you hit the subscribe button, hit the bell notification and select all to get all notifications if you are listening on YouTube. If you are listening on a podcasting platform... Hit follow. Leave your suggestions for future episodes in the comments. See you next episode. This is your host X, signing off. <laughs>